This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. Welcome to Side Alpha Podcast. Today we're going to talk about a pretty hot topic, and that's just you and me today. We're going to talk about the transport of EMS patients in fire trucks. Hmm. But first, this episode of the Side Alpha Podcast is sponsored by EF Johnson, a JVC Kenwood company. As a leader in mission-critical communications for more than 90 years, we have made it our mission to make safe simple. In a recent editorial on EMS1.com, editorial director Greg Fries wrote, and I quote, Is it a crime to transport a pediatric patient with lower body burns in a fire engine instead of waiting for an ambulance? What are the circumstances that warrant injured or ill patients being transported by non-ambulance? Does the punishment fit the crime? Well, first, I'll submit to you, it's not a crime unless a law was broken. Sadly, from my perspective, I suspect some law was probably broken. The current debate by firefighters and EMS providers is in the wake of news reports that an Oklahoma City Fire Department firefighter has been disciplined by the department for violating department policy and state law for transporting a three-year-old patient on Christmas Eve in a fire engine instead of waiting for an ambulance from the Emergency Medical Services Authority to arrive. Local news outlets indicated a three-year-old sustained partial thickness, second-degree burns to her legs from a boiling oil of a fondue pot that was spilled on her. Firefighters who are cross-trained as paramedics or EMTs arrived minutes later, and began to treat the girl. After waiting for an EMSA ambulance to arrive, the uh, firefighter offered to drive the patient to the hospital. Initial reports already waited 20, 25 minutes. It's reported in that transport uh, that the three-year-old fell asleep during the transport, and the media reports indicated the patient's family appreciated the decision to transport uh, the patient, and they felt let down by the ambulance authority. As a provider, I've been on this side of the coin before. Now, while I've never personally actually transported a patient in a fire truck, I have begun the process to load a patient on a fire truck just before the ambulance arrived. I then turned that patient over to the ambulance. It was the right thing to do. In my case, that was a uh, COPD patient who was having extreme respiratory distress and needed critical intervention, more than I could provide. I've also been on the supervisory end of a crew that transported a critical pediatric patient to a hospital that was five minutes away, while waiting for an ambulance that was 20 minutes away. I supported the accolade right up then and now. Now, from this incident, we don't have the patient care report, so I can't really speak to the true criticality of this particular patient. Understanding we don't know anything about the patient care other than what's in media reports, the report that the scald burn patient fell asleep on the way to the hospital could speak volumes on the criticality or lack of criticality 
we really don't know whether any uh, interventions to sedate the patient were taken or not, but that, that could speak volumes to what the criticality was, one way or the other. Now, to look at their EMS system, you know, many EMS systems across the country are very similar to Oklahoma City. They're stressed. They're understaffed, they're overworked, and they're struggling to get ambulances to patients in a timely manner. I know several uh, larger cities. Uh, Washington, D.C. is an example. It now has a public-private partnership with private ambulances assisting in the 911 response. A lot of other cities, Seattle, had done the same. If you read Greg's article, he dives into the issue at length, noting that uh, the EMS authority took more than an hour to respond to a scene 40 times. That's 4040 times in just one month. It's difficult for me as a fire chief to even fathom that kind of track record surviving for any period of time. It's definitely a difficult decision, and we'll continue that in just a minute. Let's take a brief moment to recognize our sponsor, EF Johnson, a JVC Kenwood Company. When the mission is critical, no one has time for complexities. Kenwood's Viking FireSafe software enhances communication awareness in a dynamic fire scene environment, allowing firefighters to focus on the mission at hand. We know that you rely on radio communications as your lifeline. That's why Kenwood is committed to providing you high-quality P25 portable and mobile radios that are easy to use. We make safe simple. Visit us online at www.efjohnson.com. We're back and talking about the most recent incident of a patient being transported in a fire truck after an extended wait for an ambulance transport unit. I mentioned a few minutes ago how stressed the Oklahoma City EMS delivery system is, like many systems across the country. While I'll cover this specifically in a different podcast, I'll submit to you that part of the problem is our own organizational uh, dysfunctions that that uh, try to separate fire and EMS, um, who you know are the stalwart 911 responders, really tries to separate us from working together, both those within the system and uh, forces outside the system for different reasons. A lot of times politics, a lot of times just territory. Then there's the absence of one federal parent uh, and the territorial concerns from all the different agencies that are responsible. There are five different agencies responsible for the 911 response system, including fire EMS, police, and uh, the 911 system itself. It's, it's really pretty crazy. But the absence of one federal parent, those territorial concerns, we have got to go about the business of doing what's best for Grandma Jones and stop the fighting amongst each other about what we think. Continuing to run EMS off of a, a funeral home model is akin to running the fire service uh, like Ben Franklin's bucket brigade model. We need to work together to figure out the systemic changes needed that won't put firefighters in the position of feeling like they should ever have to transport a patient in a fire truck that's not equipped to do it. Now let's say for just a minute that I agree with Oklahoma City's firefighters' decision. I've got several questions to ask. 
First and foremost, did you properly secure the child in a properly rated and secured car seat? If not, then I suspect the law was broken. Still not necessarily enough for me to say, no, I don't support it, but absolutely a concern we need to think about. Have you looked at the media reports over the last few weeks of all the fire truck wrecks? Now, granted, several of them had to do with weather conditions, but I can certainly see a situation where the weather conditions are going to contribute to delayed ambulance responses. But I've seen no less than three or four fire trucks overturned completely just in the last few weeks. Think about them if a patient had been on board because you were trying to get to the hospital because you couldn't get an ambulance. Second question, did you respond lights and siren to the hospital? I frankly find it kind of hard to believe that a three-year-old would fall asleep in a fast-moving fire truck with siren and air horns blasting. If the answer is something like, no chief, we're not that stupid. Then I ask, why was it such an emergency to take them in the fire truck in the first place? If it wasn't such an emergency to respond priority. The third question, did you have ALS capabilities on the engine? Were there interventions you could take and make that would have made uh, an advanced life support difference? Not necessarily the end all be all there, but it's certainly a question. And number four, and we need more information on this, but as it was reported several different ways, were you advised the ambulance was only a half mile away? and you still made the decision to transport by the engine? Look, folks, I get it. I empathize with the firefighter, with the family, and certainly with the system. I know pediatric calls are difficult for everyone. The innocence of the patient, compounded by the often horrible circumstances of their injury, make pediatric calls dramatic and traumatic for us as providers. I've been on more than a few calls where the patients reminded me of my own children. While it is dramatic and dramatic, we've got to ensure that we're doing what's right for the patient and for the situation. In a truly stressed EMS delivery system, I can certainly foresee more than just pediatric calls rising to a threshold of emergent transport decisions. I'd certainly hope this is by far the exception rather than the rule. There certainly needs to be a bigger discussion. And once we have more reliable and accurate information about this incident, if we ever do, then maybe we can have a more definitive discussion about the action and the discipline. In the meantime, for me personally, I will advocate for what's right for the patient all day, every day. And if that means putting them in a fire truck because of some emergent situation, so be it, Your Honor. This is Mark Bayshore, Executive Editor for FireRescue1.com and FireChief.com. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Side Alpha Podcast. Join us on FireRescue1.com for the latest news and information affecting the fire service worldwide. Stay smart, keep safe, and take care.